I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here. And where or what is the most dangerous thing that you have ever done or a dangerous place you've ever found yourself in? Um, Saoirse, have you, would you be one to kind of go on an adventure into the middle of nowhere and put yourself in, I suppose, life-threatening situations? Now, you know me well enough now that I hate danger, I hate scary things, all of that. Yeah. But... In saying that, for my mom's 60th birthday, we all brought her to Tanzania. So we went on a safari, which I never thought I'd do. And I refused to go until the last minute. I wasn't going. That was just the end of it. And now she said she'd disown me if I didn't go. So I did go. And it was. Now, is that one, one of those of fancy most... things in like a fancy zoo where you're in a car and you're all safe and sound? No, no, you're not really safe and sound, to be honest. Um, it was. A little bit probably nicer than what some people might be backpacking doing. But we were in a kind of dingy enough car with no windows, no roof. And we were driving through line dens. We were approaching elephants that were angry. Like it was dangerous. It was really dangerous. And there was somebody in the car next to us um, who had, I can't remember if it was a leopard, some type of animal anyway, that had jumped into the car. Oh, nice. And they all had to stay still. So the thoughts of that, see, I wouldn't be able to stay still. I would panic. I would just start crying and that would be the end of me. You'd get everyone killed, Saoirse. Pretty much. Absolutely everyone killed, unfortunately. Listen, let us know if you've done anything similar or where's the most dangerous place in the world you've ever wound up being. Because joining us on the line now is somebody whose career and whose life seems to be on adventuring into some of the most remote, dangerous, uh, extreme places all over the world. Delighted to have on the show with us this evening, Lucy Shepard. Lucy, how are things? I'm good, thank you. I'm here in London at the moment, stuck here, but um, it's great to be here. I mean, that can be an extreme dangerous place, you know, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> but, um, right. For, for people who haven't seen the kind of things that you do, how would you describe what, you know, what you get up to and what you do? Um, I suppose the easiest way to describe me, um, I mean, it's kind of a, a love-hate relationship with the word, but is an, an adventurer. Um, I mean, I do expeditions all over the world, whether it be high altitude or Arctic or um, most recently um, jungle expeditions to the Amazon. Um, so, yeah, no, I like the more extreme, the more remote and the more that no one has ever heard of, um, the better. And where has this love for travelling come from? Um, I suppose <clears throat> I was always sort of labelled that adventurous child when I was a kid um, and it was just something I took for granted and it wasn't until I sort of hit those teenage years where you, I suppose you lose that childhood spark, the thing that makes you kind of who you are, you're trying to fit in and do everything that your peers does and yeah. I think I became aware that I was sort of not living, sort of not being who I really wanted to be and I got very lucky and I saw an advert in the paper and it was an advert looking for 18 to 25 year olds to take part in a scientific Arctic expedition for t- uh, 10 10 weeks. Uh, only 10 people were invited. And so I, you know, I applied, went on this application form, went through interviews and training and fundraising. And uh, to my surprise, I 
got in and so off I went at 18 years old and I headed to the Arctic of Svalbard for 10 weeks and it was one of those things that you know everyone kind of said wow what an amazing once in a lifetime achievement and all I could think of you know is if that's once in a lifetime then surely it's all downhill from here I've peaked too soon (laughs) (laughs) what next Um, an office job awaits you next the adventure of the wireless printer (laughs) and dealing with HR yeah exactly and yeah, no, I just sort of thought, well, that, that's got to be something that I can do. Um, how can I make that happen um, for the rest of my life? So I went on from that. <laughs> and you've been to some very challenging places and have come across very dangerous animals. <laughs> yes, that's right. Most recently, actually, uh, in the Amazon, uh, one day was very, very in sketchy situation. And that was we're surrounded by jaguars and bushmaster snakes, which are extremely, the things out of nightmares, these snakes. What are they? So the bushmaster snake, um, I, I went to the Amazon with, um, in the end, it was five tribesmen, five Amerindians. I was only meant to go with two, but that's, a, that's another story. <laughs> and uh, just before we left, I was like, you know, guys, what are you, you know, we're completing this very unknown and untouched area, this mountain crossing, you know, what are you most afraid of? And, uh, very certain, you know, Bushmaster snake. I was like, okay, you know, I'm worried about snakes, but tell me, you know, what's so, what's so awful about these snakes? And they, they, um, they're obviously deadly and they are known to chase humans and they chase you um, and they even wait beneath your hammock to get the warmth off you before striking. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also, which I didn't know until on the day where this very frightening frightening situation took place, we'd just been near a jaguar that we couldn't see, but it was very close. And suddenly there's this whistle. And this whistle sounds something like some horror movie. And all the guys look absolutely terrified. And I'm thinking, what on earth is that whistle? And um, I say, what is it? And he's like, Bushmaster, go. And so these Bushmaster snakes, they make a whistle, which isn't anywhere online that I can tell you. They were making this whistle, and that means they know, you're there, they know that you're there, and they're coming to hunt you, and they're coming to get you. And suddenly there were whistles everywhere, and we were, we were in a bit of a troubled state at that point. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and if you were kind of bitten by one of these snakes, are you literally left to die? Yeah, I mean, the, the, it wouldn't be a very... Where we were was so remote and the chance of rescue was almost zero. Um, it would be, it would mean... Actually, at that point, it was zero because my communication rescue device... Uh, we were in canopy that was so, so dense that nothing was getting out. So, yeah, it was just... We were stuck. We were... It would have been... We'd have been it, unfortunately, but you kind of have to put that out of your mind in those situations. I, I imagine a, a lot of people in that situation would have, one, freaked out, and two, would probably have said, you know what, that's not going to knock the adventure on the head for a while and find a nice little... <laughs> Uh, villa in Spain and just do that from now on but like how did you wind up getting out of that situation with the snakes because that must have been terrifying well it's one of those things that you kind of you prepare yourself mentally um, and physically for prior you know I had sleepless nights more worrying about jaguars actually because I'd had a rough thing that had happened two years before the jaguar and you, you imagine what, how you would feel and what you would do and it happens and you almost go out out of body experience and just get to it and just act professionally okay what we've got to do like it's actually happening you know I asked I almost asked for this because I'm here and <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah. I was told this is going to be hard and this is going to be dangerous so I just have to accept it and um no it's uh just one of, one of those things <laughs> and does somebody always have to stay awake during the night to make sure there's no danger yeah that's right and on that on that night we all stayed awake. Uh, we had three <laughs> fires going. Um, so every night in the jungle, you have a fire going because wild yeah. animals don't particularly like fires. But yeah, that night, three, three going. 
So it was it was not a fun not a fun night, but that was kind of the making of our whole team. Uh, we had it was just me and the five Amerindians. Yet one of the guys was from a different tribe to the others, and at just that first, there was a little bit of tension. There was a little bit of perhaps too much testosterone, and me having to you know break down and <laughs> diffuse yeah. some tension and all that sort of stuff. But after that happened, you know, we became very very strong as a team, and kind of knew we could do the rest of this mountain crossing that we were doing. What um, you mentioned, you had a bit of a rough run-in with a jaguar uh, previously to this. Do you, do you mind ex- explaining more about what happened with that? Yeah, so um, in 2014, I first went uh, to the jungles of Guyana, and um, I've been doing. You know, I think I was only I was only 22 or 23 or so then um, but I'd been doing a lot of cold stuff up until then but the jungle was something I mean as a kid you dream of the jungles don't you all the wildlife and the fruits and the mm. trees and you know this lush lush greenery but I found as soon as I got there it was nothing like that you know it's dark it's um, damp it, it's just you're very very vulnerable and everything has some sort of defense mechanism and it was the first night with I was with two Amerindians this night and it was a months-long trip. And um, I'd, sort of, I'd met someone just before I went to the jungle who had warned me about jaguars. And they'd warned me and they said, you know, did you know there's some senile jaguars around? Senile? I was like, yeah, they've been taking kids from um, the, playing outside their villages. They've been taking cows and ha- cattle. Wow. And I thought, okay, okay. And then he explained, you know, they have these saber-toothed teeth and they don't go for the throat like a lot of cats. They go for the, the head, the skull, and they pierce their pierce their bri- the prey, prey's brain and all this sort of lovely stuff. And he went on to show me what they sound like on YouTube. So he played me this clip and I said, okay, thank you. You're you know, going off to the jungle and you just put that in my head. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, here I am in the night in the jungle and the first night in the hammock. And suddenly I hear this noise and it's like... This noise, I'm like, it must be, a, it must be a frog. It's got to be a frog or a monkey or something like that. And when this this happens again, and it's it's coming closer and it's circling around me and it's somewhere here and it's then behind me and it's further away and it's here and everywhere. And then I'm starting to realise what this is. <laughs> and my heart is pumping and I'm sweating and I'm sort of I can't scream because. I'm too nervous. The guys have put their, t- their hammocks too far away from me. They wouldn't hear me anyway. And so I just sort of say my goodbyes and all of this. And this goes on for hours. And I realized basically that I've got this small pen knife. I've got no- in the jungle, you take machetes and you take bows and arrows. Mm. And they're all outside my hammock. But the the pen knife that I've got is in my shirt pocket. So very, very, very carefully, I reach into my shirt pocket, open up the Swiss Army knife and try not to move too much because that would be like taunting a cat. <laughs> yeah. And then I open this up and I put it uh, above my head because I thought, hey, if, if it is what I think it is, then I'll strike it in the mouth. And um, I just clenched this thing all night. And just before sun, the sun comes up, it, this huge kerfuffle happens beneath my hammock and then I, I feel things underneath my hammock and then it disappears off into the bush and I sort of breathe a sigh of relief and I go over to the Amerindians in the morning, explain what I'd heard and one of them, he's a very silent man, um, doesn't speak much English at all, comes over to where I am, looks down at the ground, looks up at me and then just nods his head and says, Jaguar. <laughs> and that was the first night. So I sort of... <laughs> that was my whole reason almost of going back again this year was to get over the Jaguar fear, which I most definitely did. And now, it's, now you know, Bushmasters are the ones to be wary of now. Good God. It's incredible. Have you had any other kind of near-death experiences, I guess? <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, there's always worrying situations in the mountains where which you just, I mean, you go to the mountains, you try and, 
do calculated risks as much as you can and you try and control the situations but there's just I'm sure as you know you just can't control everything and whether it be falling down crevasses which are big big holes in the ground whether in the glacier or getting altitude sickness and I almost or I had the start of a stroke one day and luckily was saved by my teammate <laughs> just getting down the mountain as quick as possible and you know I've been up, up at those altitudes much higher but just some days you just don't know how your body's going to react so yeah no it can be you <laughs> you have to accept that you go into these things and you get you know you can plan and plan and plan but sometimes you just don't know what's coming god i mean i'm just sweating here listening to you recount the story of those <laughs> things it must be something completely different when when you're in this situation but um one of the things i wanted to chat to you about is i love the fact that you've gone to so many of the coldest places in the world because my, <laughs> myself and sergia uh, one thing we can never agree on is the aircon temperature temperature when we're in studio <laughs> i i like it absolutely frozen and she's more of a like turn into a sauna so we always yeah, Lucy forget the animals I would die before <laughs> anything with the cold <laughs> <laughs> but um you've been to you know I know you've been climbing up like the world's coldest mountain and how I don't be very difficult to describe how cold that is but like, <laughs> is it painfully cold because I always think I'd love this I'd love mm. to go to some of the coldest places in the world but imagine when you get there it's like you know there's risks of frostbite and everything else but how mm. what was that experience like it's something that you don't really know until you get there and then you realize that you're going to be like that so there's sort of there's a dangerous cold which you know is happening if you've had a bit of cold weather experience where things you know i guess cells are dying and things like that but then there's a you are cold constantly so after denali which is the the mountain up in alaska and it's it's known well we had we were stuck in our tent with a storm for two whole weeks meanwhile it was like minus 40 degrees celsius and 90 mile an hour winds outside so we couldn't move anywhere it'd be a death wish and I came back after that, and I think it took me about a month or two months to warm up. <laughs> it's that bad. Like, um, you know, I was. People always think, "Oh, you must be really good in the in the cold." But when you come back to the UK, uh, you just want to be near the fire the whole time because you really are just like thawing out. And there was one night in on that mountain where we just exhausted ourselves we were only a four-man team or four-person team and um we'd sweated a lot and of course sweat is bad in, in the cold and um we'd had a, a sort of seeing off with our, the food that we were making and we just went to bed without eating enough and that night was just absolutely you know we were wearing everything all the high class top gear so we had nothing else there all in our sleeping bag and we really didn't know if we were going to wake up that night or that morning so it was quite a here we go. <laughs> but it, it can, when it gets painful and when it gets um, sort of really feels like daggers, then, then you worry and then you have to do something about it. <laughs> the only thing, the, the coldest I have ever been was uh, sleeping in a tent at a music festival here in the middle of an open field. And um, it was at an electric picnic. And I've never experienced anything as cold mm. And couldn't get any warmth in at all. And that was only, I yeah. don't know, that probably wasn't even below zero, to be honest with you. But it was it's just a different one of those... cold, isn't it? It's a different cold, as, as everyone and will say. I've been yeah, absolutely so freezing in the Lake District, <laughs> like, where, it, like, if you're up in the Arctic areas and the high mountains, it's often a, a dry cold. Um, but if, it, if you're damp or wet in any way, like Iceland's a hor- horrendous cold, um, and it's, it's hits you much harder in warmer conditions. Yeah, I've only yeah. done that once, and uh, like the coldest I was, I was, I was filming uh, a scene in a castle, and I had to wear a bikini. <laughs> that was freezing, but I know it was in a castle, so it was kind of covered. But like. It was January, so you can imagine oh, how freezing cold oh. that was. I nearly died, honestly, oh. after cold. Um, but I what do your family it. make of, of you doing this? 
To start with, I think they thought it was a phase. <laughs> now, now they know that. I mean, they see the footage of me uh, when I come back, um, and I, I know myself. I can't replicate the smile that I have on these trips, even if it's a nervous smile. I can't be that way in normal society. So I think. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I absolutely love. I live in London. And I love city life, but um, I like the contrast. But. Uh, yeah, I think they realise I need it um, in order, you know, it's a part of me and I'm lucky enough to have found that early on, I suppose. And I think a lot of people maybe haven't found it yet or are looking and I, I'm very keen to sort of, it may not be outdoors or adventures, but I think that do, having these experiences and these challenge, personal challenges and physical challenges can help people um, open their mind and open their eyes to what actually they do want to be doing and what they want to take sacrifices doing um, in order to have that same smile themselves. I, I imagine, uh, obviously, with the lockdown, you haven't been able to get away for, for the last couple of months or whatever, but is there anything else planned for the future if, you know, when things kind of get back to normal and you might be able to travel or whatever? Is there any trip you have on the cards? Yeah, I mean, a few. I had two expeditions postponed. Um, I, I actually, uh, sometimes I guide up in the Arctic to take people who have never done um, this sort of thing um, with a company called Terjlida. Um, they were both postponed, so we're happy having to do more of those next year. Um, but also, after a such successful jungle expedition earlier this year, um, I'm now planning something much bigger, like five times as bigger, with hopefully the same team, so the same guys. Um, as before and uh, yeah it's very very ambitious but it's taking a lot of planning All I'm hearing is extra danger <laughs> <laughs> Extra danger extra reward I think but uh, a lot of a lot of calculated you know is this possible um, <laughs> stuff to be going on You're going to be bringing the jaguars and the snakes to the Arctic and just creating <laughs> the most dangerous environment uh, humanly possible uh, but listen uh, Lucy I'm sure you have got like amazing stories that you could talk for hours and I'd love to chat to you for a while but unfortunately we have to uh, wrap it up. Can you just give a quick plug to your uh, website? I highly recommend go checking it out because all of the photos and, and adventures and trips that you've done are up there but just what's the um, web address there? Uh, it's uh, Lucy Shepherd, uh, like the sheep, LucyShepherd.net and then I'm on Instagram I'm Lucy Shepherd. Lucy Shepherd on Instagram. Well uh, listen Lucy thanks very much for that. I'll try and convince Saoirse to maybe one day we could take the show up to the Arctic Circle and just do it from there for the crack. Well, um, absolutely I'll prove how I've, great it is up there <laughs> I'm still trying to get over the fact that he's tried to make me have a cold shower which I was able to accomplish <laughs> oh, so. well done they're, they're great for you we'll see, start with see, that there you go see there you go right baby steps we'll get up there soon enough anyway uh, Lucy <laughs> thanks a million for popping on FM104 this evening and very best of luck on the uh, up and coming trips pleasure thank you very much selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 